What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Pete Najeri and Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Guy Dami. And let's get straight to it because it is an earnings palooza for PayPal, Las Vegas Sands. All on the move after hours, reporting moments ago. Facebook also reporting after the bell. That stock seeing a big reversal as the conference call is just getting underway. We've got full team coverage. Julia Borson standing by in Los Angeles. Fast Money friend Gene Munster is manning the red phone. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But we get started with the big after hours mover so far, and that would be Tesla. Take a look at that. Down 11% right now. Let's get straight to Phil LeBeau in Chicago for what is moving this stock. Phil. Melissa, it's not just that the 2Q loss was greater than expected. Tesla losing $1.12 per share. The estimate from analysts was for a loss of $0.40 a share. But keep in mind, the estimates were all over the map. A big wide range there. Revenue coming in at $6.35 billion, a little shy of expectations. It is the automotive gross margins that's going to get a lot of attention here. They came in at 18.9%. Remember, the concern was those margins were going to be squeezed as they were pushing out the Model 3. Was it that that push to make deliveries of uh, more than 90,000 going to hurt margins? Coming in at 18.9% when many people were looking for them to be at least 20%. By the way, that's down not only compared to the second quarter of last year, but also compared to the first quarter of this year, where both of the uh, quarters, their automotive gross margin top 20%. They do reiterate their guidance of delivering between 360 and 400,000 vehicles this year. The Shanghai plant is unscheduled to open up by the end of this year. Their guidance on the Model Y, that's the next vehicle in line. That is scheduled by the fall of 2020. They had record production in the second quarter. But again, guys, when you look at that automotive gross margins, that's what's going to get a lot of attention coming in at 18.9%. Oh, by the way, free cash flow, $614 million positive free cash flow. Melissa, back to you. Yeah, and that was compared to what was expected, which was 136 or so million dollars. So yep. that was much better. Also, the cash at the end of the quarter, cash and cash equivalents, $5 billion, the highest uh, right. in Tesla's history. And that cash flow, Melissa, that uh-huh. speaks to higher deliveries. That's what you right. would expect when you sure. have those deliveries topping 90,000 coming in at what, about 95,000? They added a few more, a couple hundred more compared to what they said when they initially reported deliveries. Right. The wrinkle tonight, Phil, is that this shareholder letter, which we all parse through as soon as it's released. This is the only thing that we have until a conference call at 6.30 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time. So after we're, they don't we're even do it your show. at home, right, yeah. then, then they get underway. I know. Coincidence. Well, you do get Ford this. You get, you get Ford. I, I suspect they wanted to make sure the automotive analyst could do Ford and then do Tesla. Okay. So that's why you have it in that order. That makes sense. All right. So much for my conspiracy theory. Phil, thank you. Phil you LeBeau bet. in Chicago for us. Okay. So um, a lot of misses. Cash flow was better. They also say in their outlook session, section, we believe our business has grown to the point of being self-funding. So is this 11% decline in the stock? In your view, is that warranted given 
Yeah, and I'm going to let Tim talk about the free cash flow because that was a pretty staggering number. But is this move to the downside warranted given everything that Phil just said and everything we're probably going to talk about? I think the short answer, Melissa, is yes. I mean, this stock was a $177 stock on June 3rd, ran up today to 267 So they really needed to crush in order for the move to continue, I think. So is the move warranted? Yes. If you're looking for an entry point, and mind you, I think we did a good job in June of sort of identifying a low Carter worth and Dan specifically, and I think we did a good job on the way up. I thought the stock would absolutely fail at 225 or so. I happen to think, though, that might be your entry point to get back in on the long side. So, yeah, we've gotten it, I've gotten it wrong for the last couple months or so, but I do think you're going to get a shot to buy it again, and that comes in the form of a 50% retracement of the June low and the recent high. Look, they, they lost $400 million in a quarter where they had record deliveries. What do you think is going to happen in the third quarter? This, to me, sets up an even worse third quarter. Remember the first quarter. So, I mean, the trend here, to me, is awful. Uh, and, 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 again, the gross margin t- at least begins to tell, I think, people that didn't think this. This is a structurally unprofitable car. And I'm talking about the Model 3. And the bad news is that the Model X and the Model S continue to see slower sales. That, those are the cash cows. Those are the higher margins. We saw our last delivery round that they were down roughly 30% in terms of those delivery numbers. Um, a growth company doesn't cut CapEx. They don't take restructuring charges. I mean, this, you know, to me, this is exactly the story that, that I've seen for a long time. Yes, I'm, I'm impressed by a free cash flow number. And, and I do think that the balance sheet is different than it was a quarter ago. The question always is, can this company, I don't know that they can say that they are self-funding when, when you're building unprofitable cars. That, to me, implies inherent It sounds cash pretty burn. positive when you say self-funding. It, it, it makes you want to buy the stock when it says self-funding because that's been the major problem right. uh, with Except it. Except that you see an 11% exactly. or 10% decline so, in the so it's, it, All its retracements, it's broken through. All its moving averages, it's broken through. The 50-day moving average, right around 220. That's where you step in and buy it. Margins are terrible getting worse, and you have the tax credit that got cut in half July 1st and is going away completely at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. That's going to crimp margins even further. Well, what if I told you guys that two weeks ago the stock was trading exactly where it is today? I mean, that's something I think we have to keep all this into some sort of perspective, right? I mean, July 10th, July 11th, it's trading at 235. So, yes, it's pulled back. Yes, it's probably pulled back for all the right reasons, given what they delivered in terms of the margins and everything else. The free cash flow, I think, is pretty interesting. I tend to be still more bullish than bearish on this stock. On June 4th is when we talked about stock was 180. They bought 10,000 of the July 250 calls. Those went into the money deep today. I took some of those off today and then rolled up to get a little bit more milk because I actually expected that they might be able to squeeze out something this quarter that would be positive for the markets. They didn't, but I'm still owning. I own the 275s out in August, so I'll be waiting to see if we ever get to that level again. But I still think this is a great trading vehicle. And to your sure. point, Guy, is it's it got a 31% short interest right now, so you right. can have a lot more volatility. And for a person like you that plays options, it could be and tomorrow morning. Uh, the stock could be, it could be might be trading a lot you. different than it is tonight, depending on what all happens as we get a little further into the evening. I yeah, I agree with that 100%. It well, could be. Listen, absolutely right. And in terms of the stuff that Pete said, you know, playing through options is something you've said yep. for quite some time. The interesting thing about this, and I don't know if people at home will agree, I think this gives some people on the bull side a lot of ammunition. And conversely, I think if you're bearish to name, what it gives bullish, you a lot of ammo as well. What is the bullish case out of this result? Free cash flow. I think the free, the, where that number, I mean, I can't, I'm not an accountant. And the production number, right? Production was good, but the I mean, free those cash two things, flow was, I think. And they were profitable the third quarter and fourth quarter. They said that these quarter, they, they went right back to a loss in January, but they said that th- these quarters were going to be challenging ones. This one is definitely a surprise to the downside. But they're supposed to, they, they've already they had, said that they look to be profitable next 
next quarter? They, that, that remains the question. They had record deliveries, though. Right. And, and, and again, they lost this kind of it just It makes no sense to me. This is a company that has to work. And we've seen all the different ways in which they can try to get that Model 3 can out there you, and, and bring forward sales. What do you mean this is a company sales. that has to work? In what, in what way does it have to work? Does it have to work in that it can self-fund itself to the point so that maybe it has a shot at being profitable someday? I mean, are we looking at Amazon in the growth stages where we shouldn't care about losses necessarily? I'm it's, just wondering. No, the, the, good question. It has to work means I think at some point Tesla no longer has uh, that, that, that base of, of investor support. We've seen some uh-huh. of the biggest okay. investors in the world leave uh, the shareholder book of these guys. But when I say it has to work, really what I meant is the Model 3 has to work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the story of this company, not the Model X and the Model S. Those are great cars that are high-margin cars that did very well. The reason you own this company, or at least some, is for the Model 3. There are other investors, and we've had them on this show, that don't really even talk about deliveries, don't even care about auto. They care about some of the technology. They care about the data, and they care about the leadership that they have in, 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 in driverless and, and what that means for this company and the value inherent. All right. For more reaction to Tesla earnings, let's bring back in Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. So, Gene, what do you make of these results? There seems to be a little bit for everybody here. Yeah, well said. Tesla is always an emotional story. Melissa, I'm going to try to go right down the middle and look at these results unemotionally, and I think that it is an overreaction, and I want to kind of step through why that's the case. The stock should be down as a starting point because the expectation was that they would increase their gross margin from 20% to slightly higher. Uh, Recall a couple quarters ago, I think Phil had mentioned this, that it was 24%. So this would be the third consecutive quarter of a decline. But I would put from a 20 to a 19% as a modest decline, especially because the mix, that big 78,000 delivery number of Model 3 was driven by the cheapest versions of Model 3. Uh, the lowest uh, profitable margin on those Model 3s. And so I think that that 19% actually is somewhat respectable given the way the mix was in the quarter. And I think you can argue that 19% is not zero or a loss. I want to just shift gears and talk about putting that loss into perspective. $408 million, big number. We're looking for a loss of $110 million. $117 of that loss was a one-time restructuring. And I suspect, and they'll talk about this on the call, that a Uh, a a large portion of that. So to answer Tim's question about how do you have that big of a loss and you have those record deliveries, uh, they spend on other things, in particular Shanghai Gigafactory. I encourage anyone to to do a, a Google search, a YouTube video of where that's at right now. Most impressive how quickly that's coming together. They're spending uh, a boatload of money to advance that. And so um, I think of this, uh, the fact that they continue to expect demand moving in the right direction, the fact that they've uh, really got their arms around manufacturing um, is, is generally moving in the right direction. One last thought to your point, Melissa, about uh, Amazon and thinking about this relative to almost this, uh, this hidden uh, valuation question. I don't have a good support, even though I'm a believer in Tesla and think that this stock can go much higher. I don't have a very clear avenue when I talk about valuation because it is obviously uh, difficult or if impossible at this point to try to value this company off any sort of uh, current uh, financials. So then how do you know that the stock is going to go higher, Gene? 
Well, when you look at the market opportunity, we think that there are just a handful of what we'd call undeniable truths of the future. And one of those is the electrification of cars. And as we've studied the competitive uh, landscape and look at what the cost advantages or the cost, the pricing of the different vehicles, the availability, we think that Tesla does have an inherent advantage today, uh, specifically around range versus price, and will in the future around some of the data that's being collected, some of the things I think Tim was talking about, and, and some of the advances. I'm not talking about a robo-taxi fleet to drive this valuation. Mm -hmm. I'm just simply talking about safer so, cars. So when you say, you know, inevitable truths of the future, that sounds like, you know, that's a ways out. That doesn't necessarily mean the stock's going to be higher in a year. I mean, if, you're t if your time frame is shorter, no, well, the conviction is lower, it sounds like. Uh, I think, well, it's, uh, my conviction is still high. I just don't mm -hmm. have the, the, the framework around right. valuation. I would say this. If if, if Model 3 units increase in the September quarter, which is what they're saying is going to happen, the stock will rebound. Okay. Gene, thank you. Um, we're going to let you hop on the Facebook call, which is going on right now. We'll check in with you a little bit later on. They're also, by the way, commenting in this Outlook letter about the Model Y. Preparations for production began in the second quarter. They're able to uh, leverage some of the costs um, from Model 3 because the parts overlap, et cetera. So that's going to be theoretically a lower cost car to produce once they get the Model 3 up We remain on track to launch local mm -hmm. production of the Model 3 in China by the end of the year. I mean, again, I'll say it again. I think there's something for bulls and something for the bears. You don't have to be in the stock. Let's just be clear. This is the way I would look at it today. If you're looking to play it, I think if it gets down to that 225 level, it makes sense in terms of risk reward. I don't know if it's going to get there, but if you want to play it from the long side with only stock, to me, that's your entry point. Okay, well, we are just getting started here on Fast Money tonight. Coming up, shares of Facebook higher in the after-hour session, um, now up 2%. We'll tell you what's moving the stock, what to watch for on the earnings call, which is going on right now. Plus, check out PayPal and Las Vegas Sands, all on the move after reporting results. We'll see what their execs had to say about the quarter. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently, and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Facebook jumping in the after hours, up as much as 4% at one point. Uh, now it's up 2%, beating on the top and the bottom lines. Uh, revenue rose 28% compared to last year. These results come, of course, after the company struck a $5 billion settlement with the FTC. What should we make of this, Pete? Well, I think when we look at that, and everybody comes up to that $5 billion number, and it, yes, it's a record number, all the rest of that. But the reality is, look at the cash flow of this company. And, and look at the cash they've got. They've got $46 billion in cash. They cash flow somewhere around $10.5, $11 billion, you know. So there's a lot of different reasons why, yes, this is a penalty on anybody. Yes, this is a penalty on Facebook. But they digested that, Mel, before we came into the earnings. Then when you look at these earnings numbers and you see they still are putting out growth. This is a company that everybody said, ah, we're all leaving. We want to leave this platform. I'm going to go to Instagram. Well, Facebook happens to own Instagram. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that are going on. Sounds right like now. antitrust. <laughs> I mean, it sounds well, like you're laying I, I, the case for the government. Here. Well, if they choose to, and I'll yeah. tell you what, that will make Facebook even wealthier. Right. I mean, if the they parts. end up trying to put this thing out there to the public, what's Instagram worth now? 
today as they're growing at the pace that they're growing. Could be the best I mean, thing they do for shareholders. It could be the best thing in the world for shareholders. You know, out of the 47 analysts that cover it, you have 40 buys, mm-hmm. six holds, and only one sell. Sounds like, sounds like a crowded position. Sounds like herd mentality. But they it is herd mentality, but... They didn't flip up till about 190 on the stock, right, though. They right. were all, they all had, most they all of these guys it. at 140s and 50s were like, ah, you got to stay away. But when you look at the closure of this, this doesn't, I saw your interview today, it doesn't preclude any further action on the antitrust front, but people are getting really numb to a lot of these headwinds. This is a shocker. It's up 56% year to date. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a shocker to most people, but I think at this point, you can't bet against them. The a- advertisers aren't going anywhere. Right. When it comes to the quarter, though, I mean, all that matters is that advertisers are sticking by right. Facebook, right? At this point, regardless of what the headlines are, you want to see the basics of the business keep going. So in this quarter, what did you like? Well, look, the, the advertising revenue doesn't show any signs of weakening. They touch one-third of the world's population. This is a transnational company that, that, that it's going to be very difficult for the world's governments to, to really team up on this, too. So just to be clear, uh, Steve talked about the headwinds that people are becoming somewhat inured to. Um, I, I think you still have to pay attention to the expenses. I think the downside for the stock is, is, you know, is gross margin as well. Um, and I think you have to watch where they are because it's still a question of whether they can truly measure what the expense load is going to be going forward. Meanwhile, though, the, the, the revenue side of the balance sheet right now is, is extraordinary. Yeah. Guy? I, everybody said everything on that. So let's add one more sort of arrow to the superlative. Like that's arrow to a quiver. Okay, right? whatever you like. Well, that implies that's, we're going to shoot all the arrows no, 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 at some no, no, point. No, 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 You don't have to shoot your arrows. You can just put them in your quiver and you okay, can you got a model. Tell Save me what the arrow them. is. And something I've said for a while, I don't want to like Facebook mm. for a number of different reasons. But we, and I said with that said, you know, that move to 164 on June 3rd, was textbook, and the stock set up extraordinarily well to push towards the all-time highs from last July. It's pretty much exactly what's taken place. You know, 211 and change was last July's high. Here we are now. Ask the question. I mean, Pete talks about discipline all the time. Do you stay with it here for the breakout? I guess you could. Or do you start taking money off the table in light of the comments we had at the top of the show last night? I think the prudent thing to do is probably start to layer out of some of this. i got to tell you, I own it. I'm not even thinking about that right now. And the reason is, when I see the numbers going up, when I see growth going in different areas, and we all know Instagram is growing very, very rapidly, and soon is going to be about 30% of the revenue that comes in. How about the fact that the average revenue now is over $7? Per user. I mean, our pool, these our numbers, pool, our pool. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I put it out there. I didn't want to it. say yeah, our pool. We're not you. supposed to do that. Nice. No, but I mean, when you look at some of these things and what was expected, mm-hmm. about 20 or 30 cents less than what they actually came out with. So it just does tell you how much power these guys have. How about have the fact the that strength. it's not overbought yet on an RSI, Relative Strength Index? It's not overbought yet. We're honing in on, the, on those old highs, and you want to buy old highs. And you want to buy new the, highs. You want to buy them when they're running towards it. The momentum is definitely on the side of the bulls. Well, right. whenever you look at a fundamental side of this thing and you see a P.E. trading at 22, 24, something like that going forward, I mean, it's still very cheap, yet it's got incredible growth. And you look at the balance sheet, they don't have debt, got a lot of cash, and they just took, you'll take $5 billion out of it, they'll put $5 billion right back in there. Shouldn't there be a discount, though, for all the, all the headwinds that it faces, all the clouds, the regulatory clouds? Shouldn't there be a discount? Everything violation? Pete's saying is absolutely right. Yeah. What we're saying is we're talking about a company that has no issues with the regulators, though. I mean, that's a company with no issues with the regulator. I think right. we've had a couple chances in June 3rd. We talked about that. Uh, that was the bottom in which the stock's now up 32% off of that low. By the way, that headline, that nasty headline, served to put in a bottom Mm -hmm. under the stock. 
So, um, I, I, yes, Mel, uh, and I've been saying for a long time, I think Facebook has traded at a discount for a reason. I think people don't think that despite, obviously, the genius of this management team in creating what they created, that actually this management team has not been ahead of the curve in terms of security issues and the, and the cost to the business and really how the, the, the cost of their, their product off the assembly line is what? It's data. And, and that's something that I still think is an issue. Obviously, it's a sensitive issue. The conference call is going on right now. We have been in this position before. We sit here. We're waiting for the conference call. Everything looks fine. You want to hear, though, what the company says about OPEX? Last July. I mean, if you go back right. and look, I mean, go that back was, to That last. was the day. That was the day. And this, what, we're in July. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, and no, we're the not. move in. Oh, yeah. Sure we, we are. are in July. The move into <laughs> earnings. It's, it's you talk about looking. history repeating. It's, I mean, I'm not suggesting we're in for that another move Just, to the downside, but we're set up for exactly what we saw a year ago today. All right. Let's get to another earnings mover here. Align technology down more than 20 percent after hours. Rahel Solomon is at headquarters with the latest. Rahel. Hi, Melissa. Yeah, down more than 24 percent in after hours. So this is the company that makes those Invisalign products. And the company citing weaker than expected shipments to China this quarter, also lowering their outlook for the rest of the year. And that's what we're really seeing the stock move on. So the CEO, Joe Hogan, saying that given the uncertainty in China, our outlook for the third quarter reflects a more cautious view for growth in the Asia Pacific region. Now, going into the close today, the stock was up 31 percent for the year. But as you can see, it is now down more than 24 percent after hours. Melissa, back to you. All right. Uh, Rahel, thank you. Rahel Solomon back at headquarters. So another victim of the China trade war here. Anybody trade in this stock? Not not trading in the stock, but a stock that, that really, if you if you think about a time when we'd be concerned about high multiple stocks, this is there's nothing there's nothing cheap here. Um, but it's a 21 billion dollar company that's involved in essentially medical devices and orthopedics, et cetera, that, that truly has a global franchise. And seeing some of those price pass throughs to the consumer is something I'm sure we have not seen yet. All right, we've got much more on the other big earnings movers after hours, including Tesla, Las Vegas, Sands, PayPal, and of course, more on Facebook. And speaking of earnings, Amazon gearing up for its own report tomorrow. One trader's betting the stock could see a pop in the results. We will explain. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. Much more fast right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for an earnings whip. Shares of PayPal in Las Vegas Sands both falling after reporting results. We've got full team coverage. Contessa Brewer standing by in Las Vegas Sands. But we begin with Deidre Bosa, who's monitoring PayPal's conference call. Hey, Dee. 
Hey, Melissa, well, PayPal coming back down to earth a little in the after hours. It has been one of the hottest stocks and one of the hottest sectors this year. An important theme for the company has been Venmo and efforts to monetize it, which have been slow. On the call, CEO Dan Shulman says they continue to find ways to make the popular peer-to-peer payment app more engaging and, of course, profitable. Have a listen. With another quarter of outstanding net new active growth, Venmo continues to offer a significant opportunity for merchants to attract a valuable, engaged consumer base. In addition to adding Fandango, Stitch Fix, 1-800-Flowers, Today Ticks, and Ticket Network to our growing list of merchant partners offering Venmo as a way to pay, we continue to enrich the Venmo experience by making it even more engaging and personalized. But guys, here's the thing. While PayPal figures out how to make money from Venmo, competition is only intensifying. You have Zelle, Square Cash moving in and perhaps taking some of that growth. The amount of Venmo transactions processed this quarter was $4 billion lower than the street was expecting. The P2B app has long been pointed to as an important future growth engine for PayPal. Also, guys, on the call, this is interesting. Shulman said that they're adding Bitmojis to the Venmo app. If you use Venmo, you know that emojis are necessary. But I got to admit, I had to text my Gen Z niece to ask if Bitmojis were still cool. She said, definitely not. Back to you. I'm glad I never bothered to get into Bitmojis then, Deidre. <laughs> I let that whole thing pass me by. God, God, you're, you. all, you're totally an emoji. I Thank love the you, Deidre. Bit, no, you, you are Mr. Emoji. Yeah. Like you don't Mr. even know what that is. Those are like the little characters, and they, they're meant to look like you. You can pick the hair in the office, and then they look like you, and then you have different emotions. Like, that's cool. Or, yeah, exactly. Let's, anyway, let's talk about this stuff. That's my about, fault. Let's yeah. talk about PayPal, because I think that the decline in, in Venmo is really telling, especially as you have Zelle. I mean, you can do Zelle but, as a J.P. Morgan Chase customer or Bank of America or whatever, and that's free. And, and at, at 28 times, you know, 2009, you could say that actually it's not terribly expensive, but when you look at Visa and MasterCard trading, you know, kind of 22 and 18 times respectively, uh, MasterCard and Visa, so flip-flop them in terms of those valuations, you, you, a lot of people say Venmo should have been better. This is a case where they needed to really crush it on this. Venmo up 55 to 60 percent, um, not really doing it based upon where we've come with this stock up 45 percent this and year. It's, it's Venmo. It's also Square. It's the competition. Uh, that yeah. was just brought up. I mean, that's an issue. But look at this stock. It's up 44% year to date. It's absolutely been screaming yeah. to the upside. I remember when it got close to 100, and I was thinking, wow, it feels a little toppy. Went right through 100. Here it is trading at 114, 115, something like that. I'll tell you what. I just think it's way in front of itself. And there was no room for error. And the error this time was... Yeah. Venmo's fine. It's just not growing quite as quick as they need to from a profitability And that's why it was rallying, because on digital payments. But to Melissa's point, if there's so much competition out there, how will it continue to grow? And that might be a negative canary in the coal mine for Square as well, which I've owned currently out of the name. That's up 43% year to date. So maybe this is a little bit of a sign. The writing's on the wall. All right. Let's turn now to Las Vegas Sands. And for that... Uh, we get to Contessa Brewer. Contessa. Hi there, Melissa. Uh, so here's the thing. They missed on top and bottom lines, held back by disappointing results in Macau, where Las Vegas Sands makes most its money. The company says its volumes were normal, but it missed because of hold or what the house wins, and it missed in the premium mass segment. The VIP segment is under pressure. These are the high rollers that come in on junkets. Las Vegas Sands, though, has really highlighted instead its mass business and its future of uh, gaining premium mass Clear, though, competitive pressures are having an impact 
this quarter in Macau with Melco taking market share. It has a big, sparkling new building and VIP gaming opportunities that are new. Harry Curtis at Nomura Instanet points out that Sands properties are older, in need of more renovation, CapEx, and it makes it harder to compete, makes them vulnerable to continue losing share. On the call, President Rob Goldstein, also the COO, points out that they have these new projects. He insists the property portfolio is going to look very different in Macau next year. The returns in Singapore also lower than expected. Las Vegas beat expectations. Jeffrey's analyst David Katz is looking at the overall bright side here, saying they still have by far the strongest balance sheet in the industry so they can return a lot of capital. They bought back $180 million of stock. They can fund their growth in Macau, Singapore, and prospectively in Japan. Once again, Sheldon Adelson was absent from the call, though the COO said he's fine. They're expecting him to rejoin in October. Guys. Okay, Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer back at headquarters. Guy, LBS. So where do you get into the stock if you want to play from long sides? Basically, same valuation as win, not crazy at 18 times. I mean, yes, disappointing McCown numbers. Absolutely. That's been the growth driver. Actually, Las Vegas a little bit better. Again, like Facebook, like I think, or like Tesla, there's something for everybody. However, $48 stock on the trough in the middle of December, basically traded up to 70. I think you're playing for the 50% retracement of that one as well. And that effectively comes in around 60 bucks. So if you can buy this at $60, I think the risk-reward sets up really well on LVS. Uh, Wind Resorts, by the way, in the after-hour session, down by more than a percent, perhaps, on the back of this. Well, the, the, the indictment on Macau, I think, is not fair. I actually think Macau's recovered. You know, June uh, GGR, gross gaming revenues were up almost 6%. That was, you know, year over year. And that was, you know, I think the trend is better. What I heard was that, that Melco is outperforming them. And, and they're a major local competitor. I, you know, again, I don't know if there's any substitution going on. But even just in terms of, I don't think this is a macro trade. I think this is a bottom-up execution story. That's, that's what I heard. I don't if, think Macau's a mess. If Melco is beating LVS, though, could Melco also be beating Wynn? Sure. And, and again, I, I don't I don't we want to read trade war into this. Um, I think these have been trade war stocks, though. Let's be clear. Yes. I mean, these were total proxy plays for the trade war. Yeah. Pete? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think when if they get that thing hit down a little bit too much, Mel, I think that's the better opportunity between these two. Las Vegas and win. I still love that. But that's stock. aware, Pete. What, but, but with what it, level? Peaks your interest. Well, it's trading 140, call it, give or take, 139 right now. I think if we get down towards 130 once again, Mel, I think that's a great opportunity. <laughs> but I still miss I Steve Wynn being the, the guy running the show yeah. there, quite frankly. And so because of that, I've looked at it less and less and less and less. I was just in Las Vegas Sands, sold it just a week ago. Doesn't mean I sold a top or anything like that, but it was just time to decided to take some money off the table. Maybe I should have been Facebook. I see it moving down a little bit right now. In the you, you know what you get, though, in Las Vegas? You get Singapore. It was a headwind this earnings cycle, but it probably will become a tailwind. So I do, I'll do. i take the opposite only because I like the underperformer. Win, definitely the outperformer. But Las Vegas with Singapore, yep. Macau, and Vegas, you have all, all three. Yep. Okay, well, coming up, Facebook and Tesla on the move in the after hours session. Peter mentioned the, uh, the turnaround in Facebook, now down 1.2%. A big reversal here on comments CEO Mark Zuckerberg just said about user growth. We'll tell you what has investors hitting the sell button. Plus, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin taking aim at Amazon as the retail giant gets ready to report results tomorrow. We'll tee you up for that big report. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to uh, Fast Money. Facebook making a big reversal in the after hours. Uh, that stock had been down by as much as 1.2%, now down about a half a percent. The conference call is underway. Let's get to Julia Borson with the details. Julia. 
Melissa, Facebook shares turning negative, moving into the red on CFO David Weiner, saying just now that the company expects advertising revenue to decelerate in the fourth quarter and going into 2020. Weiner saying that's partially driven by ad targeting related headwinds and uncertainties. Also saying they expect full year expenses to grow 53 to 61 percent. Now that is adding the two billion additional cost of the full FTC fine to the expense outlook from last quarter. Wayner also saying that the price per ad dropped four percent while the number of impressions grew 33 percent, saying that's due in part to growth of Instagram stories as well as Facebook stories. Now earlier in the call, CEO Mark Zuckerberg focusing his comments on his commitment to protecting users' privacy saying this was an important quarter to have a clear path forward, both in terms of regulation and Facebook's new business focus. This is a major shift for us. We build services that billions of people trust every day to communicate with the people they care about. Privacy has always been important to the services we provide, and now it's even more central to our future vision for social networking. It's critical that we get this right, and we're going to build it into all of our systems. CEO of Facebook, CEO Sheryl Sandberg also talking about how this new focus on privacy and transparency will help support Facebook's revenue growth. We're making significant investments in safety, security, and privacy while continuing to grow our community and our business. We know we still have a lot of hard work ahead of us, but this quarter once again shows that we can do both. We are committed to earning back trust through the actions we take. Sandberg and Zuckerberg also talking about their new focus on commerce, near term with shopping on Instagram that Sandberg says is gaining steam, and longer term with Libra for encrypted payments, which Zuckerberg spoke about quite a bit, answering some questions about it right now. Melissa? Uh, Julia, when you said ad targeting headwinds and uncertainties uh, that actually David Weiner said, what does that mean exactly? That is a direct quote, Melissa. What I think he's talking about is there could be some uncertainty um, to understand how all this privacy uh, regulation, all this regulatory scrutiny could impact the way they use data to target ads. The less targeting, the less data they use Mm -hmm. um, in advertising, um, the more that'll hinder growth. Ads are more effective. They're um, more valuable to Facebook if Facebook can use more personal information in targeting them. If people opt out of um, targeting, then that could be problematic. Julia, thank you. Julia Borson in Los Angeles. For more reaction to Facebook earnings, let's bring back in Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Gene, I want to start off right there. Ad targeting, headwinds and uncertainties. What do you make of that? And is this an indication that all of this whirlwind around privacy and data use, it's actually catching up to its core business? Well, I don't think so. I think the company is doing what they always do, which is be conservative. Keep in mind, they've talked about these decelerations before. And in fact, revenue has continued to be good. So I think that played part of it. I also think there's a little bit of gamemanship that came in specifically with that targeting comment. And this gamemanship is straightforward. They're going to ask questions about how are you factoring this new regulatory environment into your guidance. They're going to get that every day from investors and now they can say they've talked about it. Um, I just want to emphasize one other piece, what I think actually is probably more at play with this, uh, this guidance for revenue deceleration. And that is this basic concept of the, the growth from stories is coming from markets outside of the US that tend to have lower revenue per user. And so the simple math is that in combination with what were strong numbers last year, 
creates this effect where you will return to some deceleration. So uh, I think that the comment on targeting was more of a strategic comment. I think the, tar uh, the comment more broadly about a deceleration is more about a mixed shift in where they're getting their ads from. The deceleration is separate from the commentary that they provided in the first quarter about revenue decelerating on a sequential basis throughout 2019? Yeah, what they said is, yeah, to expect a return to deceleration. Mm -hmm. That would be for the back half of this year and into 2020. Uh, so uh, we reversed that trend. Now I expect that to uh, return again. I think those comments about the targeting and the return to deceleration uh, can at first glance be taken together, but I think that they have different objectives. Got it. And Gene, how would you grade the quarter so far? So I'm going to give them a B plus. And uh, the user growth, 9% year over year for four consecutive quarters is most impressive uh, given all of the headwinds that they've had. Uh, second is uh, they continue to increase some of the monetization uh, within their core products, uh, which is also impressive given everything that's gone on with advertisers. But the reason why I don't give it a higher grade, and I think a lot of people would, uh, would vote for a higher grade, is because there's still this inherent regulatory risk. And ultimately, I think that uh, shares of Facebook are not a good investment because I think that this regulatory environment uh, will eventually cap some of its outside. I think there's just definitely better ways to make money in large cap tech. All right, Gene, thank you so much for your analysis. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Let's trade it here. What, what would be your grade guy for the oh, quarter? I think B-plus is reasonable. Okay. Actually, it's probably an A quarter. I'd love to, to have Professor Munster uh, <laughs> back in the day. What do you mean? You thought it was too easy. That was a great quarter. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. a great quarter. Right I'd mean, take that B-plus, sure. No, I do it. The operating systems issue, though, I mean, it gets back to higher OPEX, lower CAPEX, by the way. They also reported the CAPEX is going to be $2 billion lower. But changing their operating systems means new costs associated with regulatory headwinds. You got to be very careful. You can't bang the drum. Gene was spot on when he talked about they had to walk, they had to tread uh, sure. lightly based on the political environment that we're in. It's by the way, so grading, that's yeah. not their fault. I mean, you know, if, 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 if my no, professor dinged me half a grade for something that was an exogenous factor, it's about how you... No, but it is about the regulatory head headwinds. Yeah, I, right. I, I totally hear you, but I, th I still think it's right? a buy. I think that people were, were just gauging he, his, yeah. his maybe, maybe the way he was defining the environment, so you like and he was overly part, negative. You like the first part of what Gene said, but you didn't like the last part of what Gene said, which is he doesn't think Facebook right now is a good investment in technology. There are other places to make money. I like what everything that Gene Up said, to that point. everything Up that to Gene that point. said, I liked, I think he's too nervous about the regulatory headwinds and he's got to brush that aside the way the market has. Most important thing for me yeah. was user growth. And mm -hmm. if their revenue per user is going up, that says it all. That's why you own Facebook. All right. We got a news Boom. alert here Boom. on yeah. Uber. Deidre Bosa has got more on this. Deidre. Melissa, two early Uber board members stepping down. One of them is early VC investor benchmark representative Matt Kohler. You might remember that he took Bill Gurley's place. He's stepping down from the board, as well as Ariana Huffington, who says that she needs to focus more on Thrive, her company. Now, the backdrop here is interesting, guys, because this is now a board with several vacant seats. It was greatly expanded during the turbulent time when founder Travis Kalanick was forced out. Since then, we've also seen Ryan Graves, which is Uber's first CEO. He left in May shortly after the 
IPO. And I also want to note that as part of the deal with SoftBank, that big investment before the IPO, they were supposed to fill two seats on that board. That never happened because they did not get CFIUS approval. That is the government agency that reviews corporate deals for national security risks. It's uncertain now whether they can even fill those seats if they were to get approval. So guys, uh, Uber has come a long way and a long way back in the last few years. This is a board that was expanded, now shrinking. Back to you. So five empty seats, basically, Deidre, is the tally. Yeah. How, yeah, and, you know, it, the, <laughs> the company didn't have any comment. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure there's a timeline as to when or how they're going to fill these seats. But I would right. also just add that these are more challenges for Dara Khazar Shah, who I think, Khazar Shahi, excuse me, who I think his honeymoon has ended since taking over a few years ago. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa at the New York Stock Exchange for a company that has had corporate governance issues yeah, in the past. Yeah, you want more directors, not less. You want a full board. So, yeah, you want a full board <laughs> and, and, and you want people that, that weren't part of the insider group. I mean, and that, that is the case. And I, I think the issue here is still you've got lockups, you've got people that are affiliated with the company from a different life when it wasn't a public company that didn't have the kind of rules they have on them now. All right. Uh, take a check on Tesla shares. Uh, it is down a solid 10 percent. Hasn't moved too much in the after hour session, which is no surprise since the conference call is not for about another 45 minutes. We will tell you, though, the single most important thing to watch for when that conference call does kick off. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon ripping higher this year, and one options trader is betting the retail giant could hit a fresh all-time high when it reports earnings tomorrow. Mike Coe's in San Francisco with the action. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Amazon is implying about a 3.9% move when they report earnings tomorrow. That is slightly below the 4.8% it has averaged over the past eight quarters. And one of the trades we saw was a purchase of the 2060 2065 call spread. Somebody paid just over a buck for a couple hundred of those. And that is going to be profitable if Amazon rises by 4%. And the interesting thing here is taking advantage of the somewhat lower than average options premiums and using a spread to do it. They're able to get quite a lot of leverage on a relatively small move for Amazon of 4% to the upside, payout of about 4 to 1. Uh, you probably saw this action, Pete. Yeah, yeah. How are you positioned? I, I love that kind of thing. I am not an Amazon right now, but I love that spread because it's such a great risk reward, as Mike was trying to point out. I mean, you're investing a dollar which you could lose the entire thing, or if you get a nice number and you go up significantly enough to push this higher, this could be five bucks, so all of a sudden you've got leverage. a heck of a nice one. Great leverage. leverage. Or leverage, as or it is leverage. more yeah. widely as, known. As we say on this side, of the, continent, on this side of the, the pond, we say An leverage. Amazon trade, please. I'm going to give you one. Okay. Hey, listen, this might. The, I'm no doubt they're going to report a great quarter. However, is oh. the setup as good as it was a month, a month and a half ago when it was an $1,800 stock? Said that about I'd Facebook. I'd be same things pretty much happened. Yeah, Facebook I mean, bounced up against that level. Seems to be at least right now selling off. I think the same thing could happen in Amazon tomorrow. Up against last August high of about 2015. Mike Coe, thank you. For more options action, check out the full show fi- Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, let's get another check on shares of Tesla down 10%. Still, that conference call is about to kick off. We'll tell you what to watch for. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. More Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another look at Tesla. <coughs> Excuse me. Tesla shares uh, down about 10% off the earnings results. The conference call will kick off in just about a half hour's time. Let's bring back Loop Ventures' Gene Munster. So, Gene, what do you still want to hear on the call? 
Melissa, it's all about demand. They've got enough cash where that's not an issue for the next several years. And so this demand number, they reiterated the 360 to 400,000 number for the full year, but they did not talk about the sequencing of that number between September and December. So from the call, I'd love to see some clarity about, do they expect uh, demand deliveries to be up in the September quarter? All right, and finally, what's your grade for Tesla? Mm. Mm. Better not be a B, B minus. Oh. B minus. I, uh, I want to be B in that minus. Class. I think a lot of people would expect <laughs> to have uh, that. This should be a C minus, and uh, that, in my from my perspective, is really just focusing too much on the headlines. Yes, it was a disappointing on the 19% margin, but it still is a profitable uh, or gross margin is still mm -hmm. positive for the vehicles, and I think ultimately demand is there. The gross margin is not as bad as people think, and cash is no longer, at least for the next few years, not an issue. So to me, that is a B minus. All right, Gene, always great to have you. Thanks so much for all your time today. Thank you. We appreciate it. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Again, the conference call kicks off in just about uh, 35 minutes' time. Grasso, what, what do you think happens? How do you think the stock? I think it's going to be the now? opposite of Facebook. I think they, they have a vested interest in talking up the stock and talking up the potential. And I don't mean lying about it, but painting it with rose colored glasses versus Facebook that's in a political environment that to needs to dress of, it down. Yeah. So I think it's going to be more positive once we start hearing that, that conversation. We also want to hit shares of Ford. This is worth noting because it's down by 6% in the after hour session. Second quarter results uh, missed expectations. So this is one we'll be watching very closely tomorrow, Tim. Um, yeah. Concerned at all about GM on the back of this? No, I, I think Ford's issues. I think a lot of this is China too, and I, I think a lot of this wasn't really uh, calculated correctly. We got some sense that the headwinds were there. That was where some of the profitability was coming. I think GM's exposure there. No, I, look, I, Ford and GM we've seen as companies can diverge in terms of the story here. And GM, if anything, has made some difficult choices in terms of closing down unprofitable businesses. Doesn't change my view. Here's a would you rather oh, play like guy. Oh, boy. Is this a pick your poison or would no, you rather? Uh, no, you see, it's a would you rather because I said. A would you rather. It's a would you rather. Would you rather. Right? Why Did I say you pick your poison? poison? I didn't no, I'm say sorry, pick Tim. your poison. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry. Here's the game. Right. Ford or Tesla here? Ford or Tesla here? Yeah. Oh, Tesla. Geez, yeah. I mean, for, you, t Tesla. I, 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 it's crazy, I know, but given the choices of the two, Tesla. I mean, Ford has been grim death now for the last six years. There's no reason why it shouldn't continue to be so. Tesla. Interesting. Hmm. I, I bet with my wallet, it's Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. Absolutely. Ford does nothing. You guys are crazy. When's the last time crazy. Ford? So it's I mean, barely double digits, right? It, well, I mean, first of all, we know Ford's going to be in business in a couple of years. I'm not sure that about Tesla. So um, I, We don't even know that. Well, yeah. Uh, by the way, that free cash flow, uh, I think, is is a function of inventory. sales. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, and I was Ed McCabe is a research analyst that just sent me a note. That's what this is. All right. Name drop. Um, up next, <laughs> final trades. <laughs> final trade time, Pete. You know, we've been talking about Tesla. How about Neo? Huge call buying in there today. I think this is going higher. I bought it. Giddy up. Tim. A lot of chat on Las Vegas and Wynn. I think Wynn is the play here, and I think ultimately you got a case here where Wynn's numbers are better than those at LBS. Steven Grasso. Can you imagine next week if General Electric mm. actually surprises to the upside? Maybe what would that stock do? It's been building a base for the last couple of weeks slash months. I'm still long at GE final trade. The longer the base, yeah, we the, the higher in the space. The higher space. in space. Two days in a row that the yep. great Louise Yamada yep. has been discussed on nice this show. Nice that we can show. do that. Yes. <laughs> Hope she's watching right now. Sure she is. You know what show, stock has been she's sort of going sideways? Feels like it's about to break out to me, to moi. Mm -hmm. 
Prudential Financial. Comes out proof. Thank you. Yeah, it does, Pete. Proves yep. the name. That does it for us. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. In the meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.